We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story. You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. telling stories and I'm going to break the cardinal rule. We're going to start at the end of a story tonight. If you have your Bible or your device, turn to the book of Exodus chapter 14 verse 13. Exodus chapter 14 verse 13. We're going to start at the end and then go and work our way back to where this verse is. Exodus 14, 13. Moses answered the people. And he said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will receive or, or you will see the deliverance the Lord you will bring today. The Egyptians that you see today you will never see again. I'm going to say it again. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Biblical deliverance. Biblical deliverance. Now, this scripture takes place just not long at all after the children of Israel had been released from slavery. Now, they weren't in an addiction. Not that an addiction is an easy thing to get out of. It's not. But not bondage. They were slaves. They were beat. They were fed just enough food so they they could be productive laborers. They were told when to go to bed. They were told when to use the restroom. Shaking the bush here, boss. They were completely held captive and had been in that situation for a long, long time. And they've just been released. Now, we know it's a great story of how they were released. I cannot believe in my heart that somebody hadn't done a 10-part series on the plagues. Wouldn't you watch that on Netflix? 10 episodes, one on each plague, describes what it was and shows what it would be like. I'd watch that. And they were bizarre. Weird, 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 bizarre plagues. Y'all remember some of them? Somebody help me remember some of the plagues. What, what one do you remember? We're going to talk about the frogs. That happened to be my favorite one. What? Boils. What else? Blood to water. Water to blood. Locusts. Flies. 
Mm. Hail. All right, so darkness. So we have these plagues that ended up releasing the children of Israel out of bondage. Well, let's talk about frogs. I heard a sermon when I was a kid I'll never forget. One more night with the frogs. You ever heard anybody preach a sermon called One More Night with the Frogs? Yeah. Because it's the dumbest answer in the history of the Bible. It would have got eh on Family Feud. It would have got X on Jeopardy. Dumbest answer in the history of the Bible is this. Now, first of all, you got to understand this about the plague of the frogs. They want just a lot more frogs than normal. There's frogs everywhere. So I want everybody to picture in your house right now. Ain't nobody probably at your house. But just picture your bedroom. And I want you to picture in your pillowcase waiting on you to get home. There's a lump with a pulse. And I don't need no pretty little old dry, pretty lime green tree frog. I'm talking about Louisiana, slimy, slick, brown, swamp frog. They were everywhere, everywhere. It's getting on everything. They had no relief from them. Now, we in a redneck place. There's some rednecks in here. Bonafide rednecks got your redneck papers. And I know how redneck men think because I'm is one. Redneck men think, they're thinking right now of what they would do to get rid of the frogs in just a little area. I know how you think. Some of y'all already thinking you're talking about a circle of fire or something. Here's the problem. They couldn't kill the frogs. They couldn't squash them. Now listen at this. The frog looked just like the Egyptians' female goddess of fertility. So in their mind, if they killed a frog, they became barren. They couldn't have kids. Now, y'all, people make fun of what we believe. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. So he couldn't kill the frogs, and they're everywhere. So the man of God, Pharaoh sends for him. Come on. He said, I'm telling you, we can't take these frogs no more. I'm sick to death of these frogs. We'll do whatever you want us to do. We'll let you go. And the man of God goes and prays and asks God, and God says he will heal in the frogs. Do you all remember what happened? He comes back to Pharaoh and said, God said he'll get rid of them. When do you want them gone? What was his answer? Tomorrow. One more night with the frogs. What would have been your answer? Yeah, I would have said, God, since you're everywhere at once, go back to yesterday and get rid of them. Why would you choose one more night with the frogs? But you know, as an evangelist, I see people do it every weekend of my life. God ready to set them free. God ready to deliver them. And they say next week, maybe later. But we know what plague did the trick. It was the death of the firstborn male. 
And it was really one of the first true pictures of what Christ was going to do for me and you. We just celebrated Easter. Now, I don't want nobody to get mad at me. You can double-check me if you don't believe this, but really the word Easter is a pagan word. Really, we shouldn't even be calling it Easter. I guess it's just, we've been doing it so long. Really, what we're celebrating is Passover. We're celebrating Passover. So here's what happened. The death of a firstborn male in every household, in every herd of livestock, in every litter of puppies, the oldest male died. When the angel of death came down through the Kidron Valley, the oldest male died. Now, I think some people sometimes, I've heard people ask me what it would look like. I don't know what that would look like. But just go with me here. What did it sound like? What did it sound like when mamas woke up and their babies were dead in the crib? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Matter of fact, I'm asking you not to raise your hand. But how many, how would it affect your family? I'm the oldest male in my family. Are you, if you're here, or your daddy? But there was a way to avoid death. There was only one way, and it was a very specific way. You would take a lamb, set it aside, feed it different, and on the night that the angel of death was coming through, you bled that lamb. There was a specific way to kill it, and you bled it. And on the side posts and the lintel of your front door, you painted the blood of the lamb. And when the angel of death come through and looked at your front door and saw the blood of the paschal lamb, he passed over. That's what Jesus did for you and me. People ask me all the time, Lee, how can Christ forgive me when I've done, or how can God forgive me when I have done the same sin so many times? Well, I can tell you how he can. Because when he looks at your heart, the first thing he sees is the blood of his son, our Paschal Lamb. That's how. You paint your heart with the blood of the Paschal Lamb. That's what he sees. So they're released. God, in his infinite wisdom, knew they couldn't go near no town because if somebody came out to battle them, they'd destroy them. They were weak. Can you imagine the, the, the trauma? I mean, I'm sure that the, the, they didn't understand the term PTSD, but I guarantee you it was real. The anxiety, the fear, the weakness. So... You double check me if you don't think I'm telling you the truth. It's in verse, it's in chapter 13. It says he sent them down an old desert road. Went right through the middle of the desert. Now, people, theologians disagree on how many of them there were. Some people believe, many serious theologians believe it was a million of them. But at the very least... Any theologian worth his salt would tell you there was at least 250,000 Israelites. I don't know how that varies, but you're talking about a lot of people. 
walking through the middle of the desert, weak and wounded. Now, there was no way they could get lost because the scripture very plainly says there was a cloud they was to follow and at night he lit the cloud up. So they couldn't take the wrong turn at Albuquerque. They couldn't get lost. They're following God minute by minute, step by step, day by day. And he led them to the Red Sea. As soon as they get to the Red Sea, they don't have a clue how they're going to cross. Pharaoh changed his mind. You know that, that deal the devil keeps making you? He's going to lie. You ever thought about this, the David and Goliath story? I've been telling Smooch, my three-year-old granddaughter, the David and Goliath story. Remember when they told Goliath said, if you defeat me, we'll be your servants. If I defeat y'all, you'll be our servants. Well, who won? I don't doubt who won that fight. I mean, David cut his head off with a sword. You don't got to go to the judges and wait for their decision on that, do you? They put his head on a stick. They left there with Goliath's head on a stick. Now, that sounds gruesome, but let me tell you why they did that. You never have to wonder if a feller's dead if you got his head on a stick. <laughs> How many times has the Lord done something for you in the altar and you get home and, oh, enemy says, ah, oh, it was just emotions. You just got caught, and he steals back what he did. When you got a man's head on a stick, he's dead. You ain't never got a second guess it. But they lied. They didn't become servants. Satan is a liar. Now, I want you to understand this. We all deal with liars. Everybody in this room's got a friend or a family member that lies all the time. But they're not good liars. We know they're lying when their mouth is moving. I mean, they lie unnecessarily about stuff. We've just come to the conclusion we just going to love them and they're a liar. There ain't nothing we can do about it. And we probably have all dealt with a good liar. So when it says Satan is the father of all liars, that doesn't mean he's the best liar. That means he sires every lie that's been told. Lying is not something Satan does. A lie is what Satan is. It comes from him, every lie. So Pharaoh changes his mind and sends the entire Egyptian army and just about every chariot he's got. Now, you got to picture these people. I mean, they just, they're singing when they went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole and they've been set free and they ain't been free long and they run up and they got a sea in front of them <laughs> and the Egyptian army behind them. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I want you to hear me on this. If you misquote me on this, I'm going to put a curse on you and all your babies going to be born butt naked. Listen to me. Do not misquote me on this. Do not misquote me. They were exactly where God wanted them. 
They didn't miss, remember? They had a cloud during the day and it lit up at night. They had not missed God's will. So what I'm telling you is, every time you're facing difficulty does not necessarily mean you are not in God's will. And any theology that tells you that is heresy. It's heresy. Any theology that says that you're in a difficulty, you're out of God's will, is wrong. And whoever told you that, you need to circle them and stay away from them. It ain't biblical. They were right in the middle of God's will. So, Lee, if you're saying that, then what you're saying to me is God led them to a difficult place. That is exactly what I'm telling you. Exactly what I'm telling you. How long do you think it took them to turn on the leader? Boy, they'll turn on the leader. <laughs> Woo, they'll turn on the leader. Here's what they said to Moses. One old boy came up to him and said, did you have a deal with Pharaoh? He said, did you bring us out here into the desert so that we could all die and they wouldn't have to dig our graves? He thought that Moses was in on it and let them out there because they didn't want to have to dig all them graves in Egypt. They wanted, to, they, want, they, they wanted them to die in the desert. Then another old boy came up to him and said, didn't we tell you it's better to be a slave in Egypt than to die in the desert? Now, I don't know how you feel, but I'm going to tell you how I feel tonight. I don't care what happens. I don't care how liberal this world gets. I don't care what happens. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't know about you. I love you with all my heart, but I'm going to tell you something about Big Lee. I ain't going back to Egypt under no circumstance. I'm not returning to the things Jesus Christ set me free from. I don't care how cool it is. I don't care how if the church eases back to the world. I ain't going back to Egypt. I would much rather die in the desert. I ain't doing it. And this is Moses' answer to him. Babies are crying now. They're in the desert. They're thirsty. Here comes the army. They see the dust flying. They're against the Red Sea. They have no clue what to do. No idea. And Moses says, let's pick it apart. Moses answered the people and said, do not be afraid. Now, how do you not be afraid when you're supposed to be afraid? How do you do that? How do some of y'all don't worry? There's people in this room right now, you don't worry because your family has a designated worrier. You got somebody that worries enough for everybody. So you just quit worrying because you know ain't no need you worrying because they out worrying you. They worrying about it, man. People get so aggravated with me. I don't worry about nothing. Y'all 17 years. 
17 years, never required a fee, never required a certain amount, never required a certain number of people, go 100% on faith. Now, listen to this. I ain't, I ain't bragging. I'm just trying to give you perspective. For 17 years, I got no, I, I got no clue what I'm going to make this week. None. It might be $100. It may be $1,000. I don't know. I ain't got no idea. And it drives my father-in-law crazy. <laughs> and he, he, he's about to give up because I've known him. I've been married to his daughter for 33 years. But every once in a while he'll say, can't you just suggest? <laughs> just make a suggestion. I'm telling you all this right here, right now. I ain't no Rockefeller. But in 17 years, I don't have a need on this earth. I paid both of my kids' way through college out my pocket. Didn't borrow one nickel. They came through school owing nobody nothing. Listen, I, ain't, I have no fear or no concern what I'm going to make this week or next week because I'm going to let you in on something. You don't keep the books. God keeps the books. <laughs> oh, me. I don't worry about nothing. It drives people crazy. It drives people crazy. How do you not worry? How do you, how do you quit fearing when, you, when it's time to fear? Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret tonight because I love you. I love Hector, Arkansas. Y'all ever thought about this? The sign says 408 people and over 200 have come to this church. Y'all don't know this. Y'all are a mega church. I don't know if y'all know that. How many churches in the United States of America got half the city's population attending the church? This is a mega church. <clears throat> Your faith has to go from ish to like. Everybody say ish to like. Now I'm not saying everybody who worries has childish faith. But I'm saying the premise of how to come overcome fear is having childlike faith. Some of you are going to worry no matter what we do. I'm just saying space that gap of worry out a little bit. I'm just saying don't worry about everything. If it ain't going to matter 100 years from now, don't worry about it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if your kid don't make all-stars, don't burn the town down. And hate to coach the rest of his life. Because a hundred years from now, I promise you, that ain't going to matter. It ain't going to matter. Ish to like. The Bible talks glowingly about child-like faith. I keep talking about my granddaughter. I'm, I'm not going to do it that much anymore, but I got to make another point. She's three. She's three. And if I take her, I say, grab pop finger. And we go out here to this parking lot. And I say, when it gets dark, smooch, pop's going to throw a rock to the moon. Now, you would never believe that. And I wouldn't lie to my granddaughter, but I'm making a point. She would believe it. It ain't based on science. It ain't based on logistics. It ain't, but you know what? Here's what she bases it on. 
I'm her pop, and I love her with all my heart, and I'd die for her tomorrow, and I'd kill on her behalf, and she knows how much I love her, and if pop says it, it's true. That's childlike faith. We take God at his word no matter what things look like. We, we stand true to God's word even when we bring, it brings us heat, even when people are, don't understand us. I lost a good friend. I say I lost him. I'm, I'm in jeopardy of losing a buddy. I'm in jeopardy of losing a great friend. He called me a month ago and said, I want you to marry my son. I said, man, that's a high honor. I said, I have to meet with him. When I met with him, he's living with the girl he's going to marry. Well, I didn't get a family Bible and split his wig. I said, buddy, I'll be glad to do your wedding, but I got one contention. I got one thing I want you to do. When you leave here tonight, you go get your stuff, and you move in with your mom and daddy, and in two months I'll be glad to do your wedding because you're living in sin. And I'm, I'm glad you're getting married. I'd be honored to be a party wedding, but I'm asking you to separate and do it right. I can, we can't do nothing about yesterday, yeah. but we can do the right thing from here on out. And that boy cussed me. And his daddy won't talk to me. And we've been friends 40 years. You say, Lee, that might have been a little unreasonable. I'm just sticking to the word. I, I didn't write it. He knew when he called me what I believed. I didn't judge the boy. I was honored to do it. But I asked him one little thing. One little thing. He wants all the understanding in the world for his situation. Wouldn't give me one point of understanding. Child-like faith. And then you got child-ish faith. Childish faith ain't good. Childish faith don't get its way. Childish faith pitch a fit. Childish Faith comes from the great theologian, Ric Flair. Y'all remember the great theologian, Ric Flair? Remember when he would take his thumbs and go, it's all about me. Childish faith's all about me. Give me attention. Give me praise. Give me glory. Don't discipline me. And if you do, I'm going to throw a fit. One way to overcome fear is our faith to move from childish to childlike. We just simply take him at his word, no matter what things look like. He said, do not be afraid. Then he said, stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. Here's the problem. You ready for the problem? We can deliver ourselves to some degree. The, the, the problem with sometimes when we don't experience biblical deliverance is because we keep delivering ourselves. Y'all get them just like I do. Money tight. You get them things in your mailbox. Just deposit this. $3,000 loan. Now you got to pay them back $11,000. Well, 
I'll fix my finances where nobody won't know. We deliver ourselves. We deal with ourselves. Here's a problem. When we deliver ourselves, we have to keep delivering. But when God delivers us, the Egyptians that you see today, you'll never see again. When he delivers you, you ain't got to be delivered again. Because those who are free in Jesus are free indeed. Second problem with biblical deliverance is it ain't reasonable. It ain't rational. See, some of us haven't experienced biblical deliverance because we keep telling God how to deliver us. My wife, oh, I wish I can't. If I get to come back, man, I want to come during the summer so I can bring my wife. You love her? Oh, man, she's fantastic. My favorite human being on this earth. I love y'all, but I'd kick all y'all to the curb for her. I mean, she's my favorite human being. She drives me crazy. <laughs> can't nobody fire me up and inspire me like her, and can't nobody make me want to bite my finger off. When our kids were little, I don't do it often, but I had, I had to reel her in. Here, let me tell you what she's bad about doing. If she has a symptom, she Googles it. And she goes to the worst case scenario. So, Wendy, my jaw's a little sore. That's prostate cancer, I guarantee you. That's what that is. I done Googled it. I said, well, I don't know how that's connected, but no, I'm not going with that. We would take our babies to the doctor and the doctor ain't even pulled out the popsicle stick. He ain't even stuck the, the thing in your ear. And she's telling them what's wrong with our kid, how to treat it, and what medicine they need. She done it to me a couple times in there and embarrassed me. Finally, I said, I love you to all my heart. I don't do this very often, but I'm telling you, you ain't doing that no more. I forbid you to do that. We least gonna hear what this guy's been to college for 21 years and owes $3 million in school loans and looks at sick kids every day of his life. We least going to hear what he says before we tell him what's wrong with our kid. And she hadn't. She ain't done it again. She still Googles illnesses, though. You keep telling God how to deliver you. You have a preconceived idea of what your deliverance should look like. And let me tell you something. If you knew all that, you probably wouldn't need delivering. You probably wouldn't be where you are. And if God led you to a difficult place, shouldn't we go with his plan on how to get out of the difficult place? You know, Moses tried to kill an Egyptian. He killed one when he was a young man. He eased up on him. He was mistreating a Hebrew, and he stomped him to death. Tried to bury him and hide him. He couldn't hide one Egyptian. I don't know if he left a big toe sticking up. I don't know if they had CSI Cairo, you know. I don't know. I listen to all them podcasts. I don't know how they caught him, but they caught him. 
couldn't bury one Egyptian. When he tried to deliver himself, he couldn't bury one Egyptian, and he's fixing to, with God's help, bury the entire Egyptian army. Quit telling God how to deliver you. When God says how he's going to deliver you, have childlike faith and stand firm. And quit delivering yourself. Quit trying to fix your problems. You ain't going to fix it for long. <laughs> how did God deliver them? Y'all ever thought about this? All right, so we just said there's 250,000 Israelites in the desert. So if you was to line them up along the Red Sea and you took a microphone and a legal pad and a pen and you said, we're going to have a contest. Whoever can guess how God's going to deliver you wins, I don't know, they have money, two mules, three chickens, and a gallon of syrup. I don't know, something, you're going to win. And he starts going down the line. How many people would have said, here's what's going to happen. Moses is going to raise up a stick. When he raises that stick, the water is going to part and stand. And the ground been underwater forever going to be dry. And we going to tiptoe cross there. And when we, the last one of us, steps up on the other side, he going to lure the Egyptian army out there. And then the water's going to close on them and drown them. How many out of 250,000 people would have said that? None. That don't even make sense. Y'all, we know we grew up in the deep south. How did that water stand? Did it congeal? I mean, did it turn to jello? Couldn't have been jello. Because me and you that grew up in the deep south know this. The only way. To turn jello that has jelloed back to liquid is to do this. He'll run it through your front teeth. And we all did it when we was kids. We turn that jello right back to liquid. I don't know. Hey, I don't know what your deliverance is going to look like. Hear me. Hear what I'm saying. I don't know what it's going to take for your prodigal to come to themselves. I don't know what's going to happen in your financial situation. If your marriage is in trouble, I don't know what's going to save it. But I'm telling you, quit telling God what it's got to look like. Quit letting the world tell you what it's got to look like. And let the God who loves you deliver you. And when he gives us direction, let's obey with childlike faith. Because when God delivers us, the Egyptians that you see today, you're never going to see again. <laughs> Some of you have had Egyptians in the distance in your life for a long, long time. God wants to deliver you tonight. 
He wants to deliver you tonight. People here tonight are in a, in a difficult situation. I don't know how you got there. May have been a mistake you made. May have been that God led you there. Wants to try to teach you something. I don't know. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I had a friend we prayed for for years. This is a documented true story. I had a friend we prayed for for a long time. He had a crick in his neck. When I say crick, I mean it was worse than that. I just don't know what else to call it. He went to the Mayo Clinic. He went everywhere you can go. Couldn't get relief. Could not get relief to save his life. He had just turned a little, constant pain. Couldn't fix it. They'd shoot cortisone in it and they'd give him a relief for a little while, but it didn't get rid of them Egyptians. He couldn't get relief. This is a documented, true story. He bought a gun safe and he lived on a house with a crawl space. And he asked his son to come over and help him. They were going to put the gun safe. It was a big one in his bedroom and they was going to pour a little pier of concrete up under it and put some blocks up under it so it wouldn't sag the floor. Him and his son get up under the house and when they get up under the house, he sends his son out from under the house to go get something. They're on their bellies digging that pier. I mean, there's just no room hardly to work. He heard something and when he turned around, a possum screeched at him and he felt that possum's breath in his ear. That's how close it was. Scared him to death. He began to belly crawl, then he went on his knees, then he jumped up and squatted over and started to run and hit a floor truss running 100 mile an hour. Knocked him cold out. They drug him out, get him in the yard. When they get him to, he has got a Fred Flintstone knot on his head. Y'all remember them Fred Flintstone knots, the one that had a pull? Do, 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 do. He had a knot. They're talking to him and they don't realize for a minute the crick is gone. I don't know. He hit his head just right. The crick is gone. The crick ain't never come back. Doctors called him a liar. That Mayo Clinic doctor said, you're a liar. He said, well, how is my neck set free? I don't know what your deliverance is going to look like. I doubt very seriously it's going to be a possum. I doubt very seriously going to be a possum involved in your deliverance. But I'm telling you this, if it is, I ain't questioning God or you. I'm not telling God how to set me free, however you want to do it. Stand with me tonight, if you will.
I never, I don't mean most of the time, I absolutely never, never, never ask a pastor what's going on in your church before I get there. Talk to me because that would, to me, that would, that would maybe muddy the water when it's time for God to tell you what to preach. I didn't ask Shannon nothing. And, and sometimes, sometimes, we preach a shotgun message. And a shotgun message has got bunch, you know, the difference between a shotgun and a rifle. Shotgun shoots a bunch of pellets. That's what you shoot at something that moves. Because it shoots a bunch of pellets. You got a better chance. And then sometimes we shoot a rifle. You know, a rifle just got one rifled lead. It's just one bullet. I, I don't know who this message is for. I, I, I had no intention of preaching this message tonight. I was struggling what to preach. But if you're here tonight and you say, Big Lee, I got to see in front of me and the Egyptians behind me. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. You only need to stand still. This message tonight might have been for one person. I've seen God. I've seen God ordain an entire service for one person. Maybe more than one, but it could just be one. Let me ask you a question with your head down and your eyes closed. Do you believe God loves people enough to design an entire service for one human being? Because I do. I don't seen him do it. You've been delivering yourself, man. And ain't nothing wrong with that. I mean, you're trying your best. You're doing everything you know to do. But the Lord had me share this awkward little story tonight because he's ready to say to you the Egyptians that you see today you're never going to see again quit, quit trying to deliver yourself and let God deliver you I wonder with heads down and eyes closed if there's be somebody here that would say tonight Big Lee I believe in my heart this message was for me. Just for the count of three, just put your hand up and write back down. This was for me, yeah. Yeah, right up and right back down. Yeah.
Praise you, Jesus. Ain't going to be no sound systems in heaven. Y'all know that? We know where they're all going. If you're here tonight and you're in need of biblical deliverance, Mackenzie's going to sing something here in a second. And I want you to come and I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you tonight. Now I'm going to say this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Everybody can go ahead and just look up and open your eyes. If you see a friend coming to the altar, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come up behind them and put a hand on their back. Now me and Pastor Shannon are going to lead the prayer, but I don't want anybody in the altar alone. If you'll just be behind them and just start praying quietly, we're going to get to them and we're going to pray for them. But if you need the deliverance of the Lord tonight, if you need the Egyptians that's been following you to be gone forever, just come on. Just come on. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Just come wait right here one second, brother. Come here, sis. Praise you, Jesus. I want somebody that calls these people a brother, a sister, a friend to come put a hand on their back for just a second. Praise you, Jesus. If you need the deliverance of the Lord, I want you to come tonight. There's a couple more people need to come before we start praying. There's a couple more people need to come. If you need to come, I want you to wave at me. Come on, we're going to make room for you right here and pray for you. The Egyptians that you see today, you'll never see again. 